What is up, everybody? It is JT Sports. I am back to you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. And I'm here with my college football week 10 preview and prediction. Going to be talking about Auburn taking on Texas A&M. We got Tennessee, Kentucky, Georgia Tech taking on Miami, and LSU, Alabama. Now, if this is your first time listening to the JT Sports Podcast, welcome. I appreciate you for tuning in. Make sure that you guys go ahead and follow me on all of my social media platforms. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at JT Sports underscore. Once again, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at JT Sports underscore. And if you haven't already, make sure that you are subscribed to my YouTube channel, which is JT Sports. The first game I want to talk about, we got 4-4 four four LSU taking off 7-1 Alabama. This game is going to be played 7 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN. Alabama is a 28.5 point favorite going into this game. And I initially was going back and forth trying to decide if I should talk about this game, if I should just pick another game. And also something that's really weird is that this game is being played on ESPN. And that's kind of weird to me because I remember over the last couple of years, this game is normally played on CBS at 8 p.m. So I don't really know why this game isn't being broadcasted on CBS at 8 p.m. this year. Don't really understand why, but the reason why I'm so excited to watch this game, I may be more excited to watch this game than a lot of you LSU fans, but last year, Alabama steamrolled and stomped on LSU, okay? And Nick Saban had a different look in his eye before the game. Because I don't know if a lot of you guys remember, but he was interviewed before the game, and basically he had my favorite pre-game interview ever in sports. He came out and he said that he wants to come out and Alabama wants to come out and change the way that LSU thinks. You see, last year, LSU was super cocky over the win over Alabama. They were the big boys. They won a national championship. And Nick Saban was kind of rubbed the wrong way by LSU and what they did after the win against Alabama. So Nick Saban basically said, we want to come in and change the way they think. And that's exactly what they did. Nick Saban pretty much had a different look in his eyes. He didn't want to win the game. He wanted to win the game and embarrass and humiliate LSU. And that's what Alabama did because they ran it up on LSU. LSU got a three-letter word that I'm not going to use because I want to keep this PG. But let's just keep it, you know, PG and... Let's just say that LSU got a butt whooping. You remember when you used to get in trouble at school and you came home and your parents made you go get the leather belt and then they keep trying to tell you to move your hands so they can whoop you and stuff like that. Well, that's what happened with LSU last year. So the question is, is there going to be a part two of the massacre from last year that takes place this year? Because LSU hasn't really looked all that great. And we know what's going to happen with Ed Orgeron after this season. But, I mean, does LSU have a chance? 
LSU does have a chance. This is a crazy year of college football. There have been a lot of upsets taking place, and I definitely feel like LSU does have a realistic possibility of winning this game. And I know a lot of you guys may like you guys may be like, "Well, JT, you're lying. You know LSU ain't got a chance to win this game." And Alabama isn't as dominant as a team as a lot of people make them out to be. Same thing with Georgia. Like, Georgia has a really great defense, but Georgia is still not as good as a team as a lot of people think they are. And when you look at this Bama team, okay, this Bama team isn't, you know, bad. I'm not trying to say that, but I definitely feel like there are some holes that LSU may be able to exploit when it comes to this Alabama team. I don't really think that this Alabama team is all that great up front, at least to the level of play that we are accustomed to seeing out of Alabama when it comes to our offensive line play. So if LSU can get consistent pressure on Bryce Young, that's one factor that could be a reason why they could win this game. And also another thing is that for LSU, if they're going to have a chance at winning this game, Max Johnson is going to have to ball out. Now, I've been a big defender of Max Johnson because there are a lot of LSU fans who always, you know, talk down on him, don't really think he's good. But I really feel like Max Johnson has had a better season than what a lot of people in the LSU fan base are giving him credit for. And you can say, well, JT was only good because he was throwing the ball to Keyshawn Boutte and whatnot. But I feel like if LSU can hire the right head coach and the right head coach can bring in the proper offense of coordinator I really feel like Max Johnson has a lot of potential okay so I'm really high on Max Johnson I'm higher on Max Johnson than most people but he's going to have to have the game of pretty much his career if LSU is going to be able to pull off the upset now for LSU when I was looking up extra um resources to use for this video you know maybe it was some injury details or you know maybe something that either one of these two coaches said during their press conferences couldn't really find anything but I did find an interesting article it was on the Bleach Report app and basically somebody was asking will LSU be bowl eligible this year and I was like hmm let me check LSU schedule so LSU has to play Alabama this weekend then they play Arkansas, you play ULM, University of Louisiana Monroe, then you got Texas A&M. And out of the remaining games, the only one that really is set in stone as a W, at least from right now, is when they play ULM. So if LSU is going to make it to a bowl game this year, they're going to have to be able to beat Alabama, Arkansas, or Texas A&M, one of those three teams, and these are pretty tough opponents, and we already know the behemoth that they have in front of them this Saturday, and on top of that, okay, I want to know if LSU is going to be able to continue to have success in the run game, because I know there are a lot of negatives surrounding LSU's football program right now, but I mean, one positive is that the run game has kind of picked up over the last couple of games. Davis Price has kind of been the workload back for LSU over the last couple of weeks. He has kind of 
come on as of late and I think that he also has to have another big game if LSU is going to be able to pull off the upset against Alabama because Max Johnson is going to be able to win this game by himself like yeah he's going to have to have a crazy performance but at the same time you do have to be able to maintain the ability to be balanced and I think that's going to be really key for LSU in this game and also on top of that there are a lot of people who are going to say okay can LSU get into the fourth quarter I'm not asking that I'm asking can LSU stay in the game after the first quarter can they stay in the game after halftime because for LSU man like I'm not worried about can they get to the fourth quarter forget that can they make it out of the first quarter like if you're an LSU fan and the game's tied zero to zero or you're not down by three touchdowns in the first quarter you gotta feel pretty happy okay because I mean LSU's defense hasn't been good this year. The secondary hasn't been all that great. The pass rush has pretty much been the strength of this team. So for LSU, if they're able to get some pressure on Bryce Young, that's going to vote well in their favor. But also, they have to be able to stop Brian Robinson. And they have to be able to stop the rushing attack of Alabama, which is something that LSU hasn't had any success doing this year when it comes to their run defense. So... We all know I'm taking Alabama to win this game. I think Alabama wins this game 42-21. to And I only think that LSU is going to score when Alabama puts the backups in. And I'm not an Alabama fan. You know, I want to see LSU pull off the upset because I'm a fan of chaos. I want to see the craziest college football season ever. I want to see a lot of upsets. And I'm always going to root for the underdog in every single game because I just love to see chaos. And what more chaos could happen if LSU was to pull off the miracle of the century in defeating Alabama and let me ask you guys a question if LSU beats Alabama does anything change I mean is Ed Orgeron still out the door I mean if Ed Orgeron was able to guide LSU to a victory this Saturday could there be other programs who would be a little bit more intrigued of hiring Ed Orgeron would this make Ed Orgeron look like a better coach Don't really know, but I'm really excited for this game. I'm hoping that LSU pulls off the victory, but I'm taking Alabama to win this game. We got 6-2 Auburn taking on 6-2 Texas A&M. This game is going to kick off 3.30 p.m. Eastern time on CBS. Texas A&M is a a 4.5 point favorite in this matchup. Now, last week, Auburn defeated Ole Miss 31-20. There are a lot of Auburn fans out there who hate me. Because they think I have a vendetta against Auburn because somehow I always end up picking against Auburn. I don't hate Auburn. I don't have nothing against Auburn. You know, all I really do is just pick the games. I don't have a personal vendetta. And a lot of Auburn fans say that every time I pick Auburn to lose, they always win. That's not true because I picked Auburn to lose against Penn State. They lost against Penn State. I picked them to lose against Georgia, and they lost against Georgia. You know, now I did pick them to lose against Arkansas. They won that game. Picked them to lose against Ole Miss last week. They won that game. Okay, I'm like 2-2, two 2-3, and two, two and but I don't have anything, no personal vendetta against Auburn, okay? 
So I just want to clear that up. I don't hate Auburn. I'm not even, some people were claiming that I was an Alabama fan or Alabama homer. Like, why can't I just pick, why can't I just do predictions? Like, why does it always have to be something personal? I promise you guys, it's not personal. I just pick the win. I just pick who I think is going to win or who I think is going to lose. It's nothing personal. It's just a prediction. Why, why do I have to get, why do Auburn fans hate me? Like, it's nothing personal, you feel me? But I definitely appreciate all the love that you Auburn fans give the channel. Rather, if you love me or hate me, because that does go a long way to helping the channel grow. So I appreciate you guys for tuning in to the videos. And I appreciate you guys for tuning in to this one. Now, you got Texas a coming off a bye week. And this is a really big matchup because... This game is going to be huge in determining how the SEC West is going to shape up and who's going to end up representing the SEC West and this year's SEC Championship game, okay? Auburn can make the SEC Championship game if they win out. That includes winning this game and beating Alabama. And Texas A&M can make it if they win out and Alabama suffers another loss this year. So this game has huge implications when it comes to deciding who's going to make it to the SEC championship game. This is pretty much an elimination game, if you want to call it that. And the stakes are going to be incredibly high, okay? Now, Auburn, in my opinion, is coming off their best defensive performance Matt Corral, even though he wasn't completely 100%, there was a time during this game early on when he had to come out the game and the backup quarterback came in and whatnot. But overall, Auburn's defense was really impressive, okay? Especially in terms of what they were able to do inside of the red zone. Ole Miss went for it on fourth down three times inside the red zone and Auburn stopped them. Just plain out stopped them. So I was really impressed with how Auburn's defense played last week. And I think that was their best performance that they had on defense so far this season. Now, Matt Corral, 21-37, 289 pass yards, interception, ran for 45 rushing yards, and had a rushing touchdown. But obviously, he wasn't himself. He was battling injuries. But... Either way, that was still a pretty solid win on Auburn's behalf. Now, Bo Nix also had a really good game, 22 of 30, 276 pass yards, a touchdown, 30 rushing yards, and two touchdowns. Now, I saw a preview online before recording this, and it was comparing Zach Kazada, the quarterback for Texas A&M, and Bo Nix, and pretty much the article said that these are two of the, wor the worst quarterbacks in the SEC. I don't really agree with that statement, and I'm not a Bo Nix homer. I'm not a fan of Bo Nix. I'm not biased towards Bo Nix. As a matter of fact, I've been heavily critical of Bo Nix on this channel over the last couple of years, but I feel like Bo Nix is having a pretty good season. And, you know, I think a lot of people are tied down to the past narrative about Bo Nix, what he's done in the past, what he's done on the road and stuff like that. But I really feel like Bo Nix has had a pretty solid season. And I'm not really understanding why the national media still continues to say that Bo Nix isn't a great QB. Like, I think you can make the argument and say that Bo Nix has been a top four, top three quarterback in the SEC this year. I mean, what? Who's number one? Bryce Young, we know that. You got Matt Corral. 
style. Then at number three, you definitely could make the argument. I mean, you got KJ Jefferson from Arkansas. Okay, like, I definitely feel like Bo Nix has been one of the five or at least four best quarterbacks in this conference this season. Don't really understand why he continues to get pooped on by the media. Now, one thing about Auburn is that their offense doesn't feature a lot of dynamic wide receivers, in my opinion, okay? But they do a really good job of distributing the football between not only their wide receivers, but the tight ends and getting the ball out to the running back. So they pretty much implement everybody in the passing game, which is really impressive because that shows you that they know how to spread the wealth. They know how to spread the love. They're spreading the cornbread, you know, they're handing out plates, you know, Bo Nix is dishing out to his playmakers, and it's not just the wide receivers, like, yeah, we say that Auburn doesn't have, you know, a lot of great wide receivers as of right now, but they do have a pretty good group of tight ends who not only are a factor in the passing game, but they're also a factor on the ground as well, because these tight ends are also used in run packages when they choose to go 12 personnel, which is what we saw Auburn do a lot of last week they had 12 personnel there were sometimes when they had three tight ends on the field for additional blocking in the run game so I really like the fact that Auburn is able to get everybody involved in the passing game. Now, the focal point for both these two teams is obviously going to be the running back groups, okay? We already know about Tank Bigsby. He's had an amazing season last week against Ole Miss, 23 carries for 140 rushing yards, one touchdown, averaging 6.1 yards per carry. We also can't forget about the freshman running back, Jarquez Hunter. Then you look at Texas a We know Isaiah Spiller is one of the best running backs in all of college football now Auburn had three sacks versus Ole Miss last week and for Texas A&M they have played pretty well over the last couple of weeks ever since their win against Alabama but I definitely feel like if Auburn can get consistent pressure on Zakazada they have a really good chance of winning this game because when you look at when Texas A&M has went on this winning streak when they beat Alabama one thing I noticed is that Zakazada barely had any pressure in his face. But when Zakazada is under the rest and he's forced to have to try to get outside the pocket or try to make something happen or try to throw the ball when there's pressure in his face, he isn't the same quarterback. So it's really important that Auburn is able to get pressure on Zakazada because if you allow Zakazada all day to sit back in the pocket and throw the football, he's going to shred you. So it's really important that Auburn is able to get that pass rush going in that game, which I definitely believe can happen because Auburn has a pretty solid defensive line and even though the offensive line for Texas A&M definitely has played well over the last couple of games I really feel like that's going to be an intriguing matchup to watch inside of the trenches for Auburn and Texas A&M so the team that I'm going to take to win this game I'm going to take Auburn surprise surprise the reason I'm going to take Auburn to win this game is because first of all I like the fact that Auburn's defense is going to be able to cause some 
issues and some havoc when it comes to the offensive line, the Texas A&M. Even though Texas A&M is coming off a bye week, I believe that Auburn is playing some of their best football. So is Texas A&M. But I definitely feel like the offensive line for Texas A&M isn't going to be able to hold up completely well against Auburn's defensive line. Now, I'm not saying that Texas A&M is going to give up a seven-sack performance or anything like that. But I do feel like there's going to be some key drives in this game that that pass rush for Auburn is going to be able to get home and get the Zach Kazada. So I'm going to take Auburn to get the victory. I think this is going to be a pretty low-scoring affair. I think Auburn wins this game 22-17. is going to be my final score prediction in this matchup. All right, so the next game we have to talk about, we have 4-4 Tennessee taking on 6-2 Kentucky. This game is going to be played on ESPN with a 7 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. Kentucky is a one-point favorite in this game. Now, Kentucky last week, they lost to Mississippi State 31-17, and I watched this game. This was an ugly game if you're a Kentucky fan, man, like... The offense was sloppy. Kentucky secondary got absolutely shredded by Will Rogers. Will Rogers was 36 of 39 through for 344 passing yards and one touchdown. The ball barely touched the ground. They pretty much were throwing on air. So I'm not going to criticize Kentucky's defense because Kentucky still does have one of the better defenses in the SEC and in college football. And it doesn't help the fact that they had to come on the field every 30 seconds right after they just got off the field because the offense kept turning over the football. Now, the run game also came out flat. Like, they only rushed for 66 rushing yards as a team. And that's probably because they had to throw to try to get their way back into the game. But overall, like, Kentucky hasn't really looked good as of late. And, you know... What people in the college football world say after somebody has like a devastating loss against Georgia or Alabama is kind of a hangover effect. They always try to say that you're never the same team after you lose to a Georgia or Alabama in the fashion that Kentucky did. And we know what Georgia did to Kentucky. They beat them and they beat them bad to a pulp. And you kind of have to ask yourself, you know, is there a hangover effect? Now, Tennessee, on the other hand, this Tennessee team is playing some really good football at a very good time. You may say, JT, how is Tennessee playing some really good football? Okay, didn't they lose to Alabama by a pretty big margin? Didn't they lose to Ole Miss? Well, yeah, if you go and you look at the boss score of the Alabama game, like, yeah, it's not going to look pretty, but if you actually watch that game, you will know that Tennessee was giving Alabama all they can handle at one point. That was a really competitive competitive football game as a matter of fact I was looking at that game and I was like oh wow Tennessee is hanging with Alabama well, let me go ahead and watch this so you got to understand the context so don't come at me if you're a Kentucky fan and blast me in the comment section about the Alabama game because Tennessee was pretty competitive against Alabama okay you might want to go back and re-watch that game and Tennessee was really competitive against Ole Miss so 
Tennessee is playing some really good football. Meanwhile, Kentucky looks to be training downward. So is Kentucky going to be able to win this game and get themselves back on track? Or is Tennessee going to get a big win over a ranked opponent? And continue to have a good trajectory upwards because a win for Tennessee would be monumental for this program and Josh Heupel right now. Because I really like what Tennessee has done. When Tennessee has faced, you know, opponents that aren't powerhouses, they've been pretty good. So I like Tennessee. But at the same time, you do got to understand that Tennessee doesn't really have a defense. So if Tennessee is going to win this game, they pretty much have to outscore Kentucky, which I, I don't really know because Kentucky is a team that likes to run the football. And when you have a team that likes to run the football, they're going to run the football until you prove you can stop it, which means that your offense isn't going to be on the field all that much because they're going to control time possession. And for Tennessee, I don't really know if that defense is going to be able to even get enough key stops to keep Kentucky from, you know, scoring. Because I think Kentucky can also score on every possession. I don't really know if Tennessee's offense is going to be able to score every possession on Kentucky's defense. And that's not taking anything away from Tennessee's offense. I'm just saying that the fact that you got to look at last week's performance, Kentucky's defense is really good. The reason why their defense wasn't great last week was because of all the turnovers that the offense had. So the defense had to come back on for more plays. Well, if the offense takes care of the football and there's no turnovers and they play a clean game, then I think that Tennessee's defense isn't really going to be able to stop Kentucky from scoring. And I also feel like Tennessee's offense is going to score some points in this game. But at the same time, I do feel like Kentucky's defense is more than able of being able to get some key stops and giving the ball back to their offense. Now, Hendon Hooker, right now, in my opinion, is the most underrated quarterback in the SEC. And nobody's talking about it. Everybody keeps talking about how bad the quarterback play has been this year in college football. Everybody's talking about, you know, the SEC quarterbacks outside of Bryce Young and Matt Corral, how there's not really a lot of talent. Nobody's talking about Hendon Hooker. Everybody just seems to be overlooking Hendon Hooker. I haven't really seen him on nobody's top five QBs. I saw somebody who had Will Levis over Hendon Hooker. If you were to ask a Kentucky fan right now, who would they rather have at QB, Hendon Hooker or Will Levis? I'm pretty confident that a good amount of Kentucky fans would take Hendon Hooker over Will Levis because Hendon Hooker has been amazing this year for Tennessee. He's thrown for 1,578 passing yards, 17 touchdowns, only two interceptions, completing 68.7% of his passes. He has ran for 416 yards on the ground and has four rushing touchdowns. Like Hendon Hooker has been severely, when I say severely, he's been severely overlooked. And he's been severely underrated this year. So I think he's going to have a really good game against Kentucky, win or lose. He's been really good this year. He was really good against Alabama. He was really good against Ole Miss. Like, Hendon Hooker has had a really good year for Tennessee. Now, Tennessee's defense, like I alluded to early, 
earlier, can they get off the field? Because they're not good when it comes to getting off the football field on third downs. As a matter of fact, they have one of the worst, if not the worst third down defense in college football. They allow opposing teams to convert 48.76% of the time, which is 122nd in the nation right now. And Kentucky has one of the best third down offenses in college football. They're 18th in third down conversion percentage. They convert on third downs 47. 50% of the time and the reason for that is because Kentucky's a really good team when it comes to running the football which means they win on their early downs so most of the times they get a good amount of yardage on first and second downs and on third downs they're pretty much in a third and short situation so Kentucky most of the time is in like third and short third and three third and four maybe occasionally you catch them in a third and six situation which still gives them the, the ability when it comes to the flexibility when it comes to the play calling to either choose to run the football to pick up the first down to move the chains or they can choose to throw the football to move the chains so you have that unpredictability when it comes to third down with this Kentucky offense because they're always in a position that they can hit you with anything play action the playbook is fully open meanwhile if you're Tennessee you have to try to find a way to get Kentucky into obvious passing situations on third down so you have to be able to win on first down on you have to be able to win on second down and you have to be able to put Kentucky in the situations that say hey man we have to throw the ball if we want to be able to convert so if you're Tennessee you got to try to find ways to win on first and second downs and the main catalyst for that is going to be your ability to stop the run game of Kentucky now Tennessee is 69th in the nation and rushing yards per game allowed they are allowing 160 rushing yards per game Meanwhile, Kentucky, regardless of what the stats say, I think they're like 45th in America in rushing yards per game. Kentucky is one of the best running football teams that we have right now. So if you are Tennessee, I think it's really important that you're able to win on those early downs and attempt to get Kentucky into third and long situations where they have to throw the football to keep the drive alive on you. So another thing that I like about Tennessee is that this is a high-tempo offense. This is an offense that gets going really fast when this offense gets in rhythm, they get in rhythm. And on top of that, you got to look at the dual threat ability of Hendon Hooker. You got to be able to account for that. So that Kentucky defense is definitely going to have their hands full in this game. I'm going to take Tennessee with the upset. And the reason why is because I think that Tennessee could have a couple of plays that bounce their way. I do feel like they could come away with a turnover or two. And even though they're probably not going to have a lot of success getting off the field on third down and whatnot, I still feel like Tennessee is going to be able to get a couple of key turnovers in this game. And that's why I'm going to take Tennessee to win. And Tennessee has been playing some really good football, okay? Like, you can go back and look at the Alabama game and look at the scoreboard. But if you actually go back and watch Watch that game. Tennessee was hanging around with Alabama. They weren't competing with Alabama. And I know you can't give participation trophies out there for, you know, you know, competing somewhat at some point in the game. You got to actually win the game. But you do have to give Tennessee a lot of props. Tennessee has looked like a really good football team. And they're trending in, they're trending in the upwards direction. Meanwhile, Kentucky is kind of trending in a downwards direction. And it's the reason why Kentucky is only a one-point favorite in this game. It's not that I just have some Tennessee bias. Like, Vegas probably feels the same way I feel about this game. Because if Kentucky fans feel like their team is just outright better than Tennessee, 
seed, then they should be a double-digit favorite in this game, but they're not for a reason. And Vegas probably sees the same thing I see with this Tennessee team. This Tennessee team is playing some really good football at the right time. I'm taking Tennessee with the upset. The last game that we have to talk about, we have 3-5 and five Georgia Tech taking on 4-4 four and four Miami. This game is going to be played 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time on RSN, whatever that is. Miami enters this game as a 10-point favorite. Now, last week, Miami pulled off another upset. Remember, the week before last, they pulled off upset against ranked NC State. And last week, they pulled off the upset against, once again, another ranked opponent in the Pittsburgh Panthers, 38 to 34. Now, Manny Diaz right now is coaching for his life because there's a rumor going around there that that pretty much says that if Manny Diaz loses another game, he's out the door. So Manny Diaz is coaching for his life and as he should. Now, the offense has started to pick up. You know, early on in the season, the offense kind of has some struggles, but now the offense is now starting to get in rhythm. And I was Kind of wonder, you know, what's going on with the offense prior to the last couple of weeks? Because, you know, Red Lashley was pretty good last year. A lot of Miami fans were saying, you know, the play calling hasn't really been that great this year compared to what it was last year. But this offense has picked up the last couple of games. And when you look at Miami quarterback Tyler Van Dyke, I've been really impressed with what I've seen out of him. 32 of 42, 426 passing yards, three touchdowns. He had one interception, which, you know, I was like, ah, oh, why don't you throw that? Like, when he threw that interception, I thought Pittsburgh's going to drive down the field and, you know, find a way to win the game. Like, I was, like... I doggone near had an aneurysm watching this game as Miami Hurricane fan, man, because I was like, oh, man, we're actually going to pull off another upset. And then when he threw that interception, I was like, oh, man, we always find a way to lose the game, especially when it looked like Pittsburgh ended up having that safety, but the referees ended up giving Miami the extra inch so they didn't give up the safety. <sighs> like, this game had my adrenaline pumping, man, but... When you look at this Georgia Tech team, you can't overlook it. You cannot overlook this Georgia Tech team. Now, this Georgia Tech team is pretty young. They got a young quarterback in Jeff Sims. Comes from the city of Jackson. I'm a big Jeff Sims fan. Everybody knows that. You got run back Jameer Gibbs, who pretty much, those are their two best players on offense. Now, this Georgia Tech team is young, but they're super dangerous. They are really good when it comes to having big explosive plays downfield in the passing game or in the running game department. But this is a very hot and cold team. There are some stretches during games that they're on fire, and there's some stretches during games when they're just completely ice cold. You're like, what the heck are they doing on both sides of the football? Last week, they had a blown coverage, which ended up resulting in a long touchdown. It was a long touchdown pass from um on Virginia Tech. And it was pretty much a blown coverage. Like, I don't even know if they were, I don't even know what they were running. It looked like they were running cover three or something like that. But it was just some miscommunication in secondary. And Virginia Tech ended up capitalized off it. So with Georgia Tech, this is a team that definitely is very dangerous. Okay, Miami definitely cannot sleepwalk in this game. And I really think that the dual threat ability of Jeff Sims 
on top of that, you got running back Jameer Gibbs is going to cause some problems for Miami's defense. And I definitely feel like Miami's defense is going to give up some big plays in this game to this Georgia Tech offense. But also, when you look at Georgia Tech defensively, they're not really good at anything defensively, okay? They're not really all that great when it comes to stopping the run. They're not all that great when it comes to rushing the quarterback neither. And they are one of the worst teams in college football on third down offensively and defensively on third down they only convert 32.26 percent of the time on offense which is 125th in the nation and their third down defense isn't that good neither so when you look at Georgia Tech with their inability to keep drives alive and their inability to get their defense off the field, that votes well for Miami. Now, Miami's third down defense hasn't really been all that great neither. They're, that's also pretty bad. But I feel like for Miami, as long as you take care of the football, you don't have any costly penalties, you don't have any costly turnovers, you should be feeling really good about your chances of being able to win this game. But this is a really good Georgia Tech team when it comes to the explosive plays that they're able to generate on offense because when this Georgia Tech offense gets going it gets going and when this Georgia Tech team gets on one of those hot streaks during the game this is a really solid football team but this is just a very young and inexperienced team they still have a lot of young guys on that roster so I'm going to take Miami to win this game I don't know if I would trust Miami to cover I feel like Miami's just the kind of team that's always going to find themselves in a one-possession game. So I'm going to say Miami wins this one. 31-28 is my final score prediction because I do like Georgia Tech's offense even though there is a lot of inconsistency there. They have the ability to pop off big plays at a snap of the finger rather that be in the passing game or in the run game with Jeff Sims or Jameer Gibbs. And on top of that, you know, like, I really like the fact that Jeff Sims is now starting to mature as a passer a little bit more. Next year, this Georgia Tech team is going to be dangerous, and I think they could potentially end up winning the ACC next year, but that's for next year. Right now in the present, I got to take Miami to get the victory. I think it's going to be a close game. I don't think Miami's going to blow out Georgia Tech. I don't think they're going to cover. I would be extremely surprised if Miami's able to beat Georgia Tech by two possessions. But I'm going to take Miami to win this game. But I'm going to take Georgia Tech with the under two cover. You guys let me know down in the comment section down below who you guys have winning this game. And this is it for this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. I appreciate you guys for tuning in. Make sure that you guys go ahead, leave a like on the video. Also, make sure that you subscribe to the channel if you're watching this on YouTube. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, make sure that you go ahead and share. Leave a five-star review down below on Apple Podcasts if you enjoyed this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. And I will see you guys shortly with my Week 9 NFL preview and predictions.